Thank you so much for that. Help me to love you more and more, and I hope that is your prayer. In fact, I want us just to take a minute to bow our heads and ask that same, Lord, Lord, we're gathered here this morning, and maybe the one thing that we will get from this time together of singing praise to your name, reading scripture, prayer, fellowship, is that we might love you more when we leave here than we did when we came in. Please, Father, I'm asking that that might be true of me, that I might love you more every day. Might the words that are spoken be your words. Might the thoughts be your thoughts. Direct me, please, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you still have your fingers there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Our uh, son-in-law, John, he was up here, and, and so was Hazel. John is, is uh, teaching Hazel how to ride a bike. And she's four years old. She's the one that Heather was holding. And so uh, she's just turned four, and she's, she's doing a good job. There's something about learning how to ride a bike and uh, mailboxes that go together, don't they? <laughs> I mean, if not, wouldn't... Uh, uh, we wouldn't see so many good Funniest Home videos. I mean, uh, a huge parking lot, and there's one mailbox off in the distance that you can see a little bit, uh, and uh, Dad gets uh, the, the kid started, and the kid wobbles and wobbles and wobbles until he smacks into the, into the mailbox. Now, why does that happen? There is a reason why that happens. I'm not sure if it's scientific reason, but at least for me, there's a reason why that happens. One obstacle out there, and they're going to find their way to it. My uh, hypothesis is that they focus or they see the mailbox. Why? Because Dad says, don't hit the mailbox and gives the kid a shove in the opposite direction and uh, don't hit the mailbox, don't hit the mailbox, don't hit the mailbox, the mailbox, don't, don't. Oh, but it makes a great video, you know. <laughs> it's because they see what they're not supposed to hit and they focus on that and they just are drawn to what they see. The title of the message this morning is What You Get is What You See. What you get is what you see. So what are you seeing? What are you looking at? You know, COVID-19 has certainly changed a lot of things. One is our perspective on certain things. We had... Uh, uh, just some feel that they're locked up. Some feel fearful because of COVID-19. Maybe because they have health risks. Uh, maybe they, because they know or they have family members that get it and, and they certainly do not want to get it. Uh, some, through this time, can't wait for their husband to get back to work. You know, get out of the house. Leave me alone. You know, just stop bugging me. Sunday night we met here and we celebrated the Lord's table, but we also had, we had um, testimonies from the perspective of 
what, how did, how is COVID-19 benefiting you? And these are some. I got to spend more time with my kids. See, seeing good. We ate as a family every day. Wow. Doesn't happen often. I got caught up on my Bible reading. One, I, I learned a new way of uh, my personal devotions or journaling or, you know, I, I had time to do these things. Uh, or maybe you have found a new way to shop for groceries. <laughs> Instacart, have you tried that yet? Uh, I know some of you have, and, and uh, wow, this is okay. There are some good things that are coming out of COVID-19. There should be because God designed it. God allowed it, but I think God designed it. Just like he designed so many things in our lives that all we see is the bad. And what you get is what you see. If all you see is bad, that's what you're going to get. It's the mailbox out there on the far side of the parking lot. What are you focused on? What are you looking at? Where are you looking? You know, it makes a difference in our attitude and it makes a difference in our accomplishments. There are some that have gone through this whole COVID thing and you have not accomplished a thing. Now, I don't know that for a fact. I believe that we're like the... the uh, we're like the kids in that radio program that everybody was above, all the kids were above average. And that's what I believe about all of you. You have all accomplished all kinds of things because you've been looking at the good, at the blessings instead of the struggle, at the help instead of the hurts, at the eternal instead of the temporary. So what you get is what you see. And that's what Paul is talking about in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is not an easy uh, passage for me in my study, but it was enlightening for me because Paul begins with the portrait of pain. And this is all that I focused on in the past, this portrait of pain. But I want to tell you, even as we go through this, portrait of pain that Paul gives us, Paul is not focusing on the pain. He is not focusing on all these things that he describes in a horrific manner if we really know what he's talking about. And he, he uses words that maybe don't affect us so much, uh, but in the, the Greek it does. It's a horrific picture here. And I've always only focused on this picture. Here's his portrait. He says, this is not just a little pain, it's above measure. It's in every way surrounding us. He says, troubled on every side there in verse 8. He's talking about pressure. This, and, and your copy of the scripture might say pressured on every side because that's what this word means. This word means that to be pushed and squeezed into a corner that you can't get out of. He says, we have been pressured, hard-pressed, afflicted. Uh, in, in my mind, as I was studying what this word meant, I got the picture of a gang around their victim 
and they're pushing. They surround him, and they begin to push him back and forth, and the victim knows that this is not going to turn out well, and they're pushed, and the gang just gets closer and closer and closer, squeezes in until they're punching him, and, and they're finally he falls to the ground, and they begin to kick him. This is the picture that Paul is saying. We are pressured on all sides. Troubled on every side. Wherever we turn, we can't turn and find relief. And maybe that's the way you feel. You know, uh, I don't personally have a lot of pressures, but, you know, there are some that I have pressured. But I, I know of a number of you have a number of pressures, whether it be with your job and you just feel pushed. Maybe it's the, uh, the, the pressure to succeed. Maybe you have the, the jobs of uh, other people uh, resting on your shoulder and you're pressured, especially during this time of COVID when we're seeing, we're seeing businesses that have to close and maybe uh, and people laid off and what are we going to do? And that's not a pleasant thing and you're pressured on every side. Maybe it's your marriage. You're pressured. I can't take it anymore. I'm pushed in the corner daily. We're pushed into the corner. And I don't think I can stand it anymore. Maybe it's your kids. Just get them back to school. <laughs> I don't care what it costs. Send them away. Uh, it's, they're wearing me out. They're pressuring me. Um, when your grandparents, it's, uh, you know, we had Seth and Crystal with us. And Tanzan is a talker. I mean, why? And, and then uh, Meow or Mia, uh, she's following in Tanzan's footsteps. Uh, why? Why? How come? Why? Uh, and maybe pressured, not hard pressed with them. It was enjoyable to have them. And we feel the emptiness of our house right now. But uh, maybe it's financial problems. They're going to have a, do a automatic withdrawal. And there's nothing there. What are we going to do? You lay awake nights, wondering about that pressure. How, how, can, we, how can we make it? Can we sell something? Can we do something? Maybe it's health, and that's a big thing in our church family. And that's why we see a number of of empty spots, even though we only have half the seats here, is because uh, health issues and the danger of getting COVID. And so for those of you at home, you, you feel these pressures of health. And it's one thing after another thing after another thing. And they put you on this medicine, and it, it hurts you in this way. And so they change medicines, and it hurts you in this way. And there's just no relief. Pressured, no place to turn. Paul says that's the first thing that happens. Look at verse 8 then. Troubled on every side, that's the first, but not distressed. We are perplexed. And so maybe that's where you're at. You don't have to have all four of these. I, well, there are actually five that Paul gives. Uh, pressured is the first one. Perplexed at wit's end. Not sure how to respond. Every time you respond, it's not right. 
I can't do anything right. I can't say anything right. I'm perplexed. What are you looking for? Perplexed. Then he says in verse 9, persecuted. So there's pressured and he's perplexed and then he's pursued because it could be persecuted as well. But pursued, and you might have that in your copy of the scriptures, pursued because that's really the picture of this uh, persecuted, this word. Uh, Tormented, it's being hunted by a wild animal and tormented until he ends it. Uh, Maybe it's your cat that brings in a mouse and you see him playing with this mouse. Well, that's not... You know, it might be fun for the cat, but it's not fun for the mouse. At least I don't assume it is. Uh, Because he knows this is not going to end well. Uh, uh, Pursued. Uh, When in our backyard, we have an above-ground swimming pool on the deck. We have a Ferris wheel that will take the kids 10 feet in the air, maybe. Uh, We have uh, slides and play area, platforms for them to crawl up on and just have a a great time. And so what do they enjoy most about our backyard? Catching toads. Now, earlier in the spring, Moses came and he he, uh, did the curse of the toads in our backyard. And we have a gazillion toads the size of the end of your little finger. Of course, they up to the size of your fist. And so these toes, and it doesn't matter what size they are, but when the little girls, and you saw them, uh, and they're singing, when they come, all these, these blonde little heads come running around the corner, and I stand on the deck, and I holler out, Hide! Get out of here! The end is coming! And all the frogs and toads just go silent. And I can just, all I hear is them trying to burrow under the grass. Why? Because their tormentors have arrived. (laughs) They are gathering. They pursue those little uh, toads, and they have buckets. And once they catch them, then they build them houses and and, uh, kitchens and, and exercise areas. And by the time the day is done, those toads... Uh, have exhausted, and we tell the girls as the toads are laying there on their backs, <laughs> you wore them out, they're sleeping. And then when they leave, the crows come in and finish the job that the girls started. The, they were pursued. Pursued. This is what Paul is saying. Pursued for the fun of it. Now, Paul was chased from Antioch to Iconium to Lystra. They caught him at Lystra, and they stoned him and left him for dead. So Paul knew what it was like to be pursued. Believers, you better believe this, and that's we are being pursued. We are being pursued by people that really don't know they're pursuing us. But there's somebody that knows, and that's why we are told by Peter, be sober, be of a sound mind, uh, be, uh, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. 
Because your adversary, your pursuer, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is, he is pursuing us to devour us. He is stalking us. And the picture is of a lion or really a mountain lion coming from Montana and seeing a mountain lion over on the other hillside just stalking something that we could not see, crouching, working his way through the sagebrush, stopping because he's pursuing something and Satan is pursuing us. And he's using any means possible to get us. So, so Paul says, okay, we've been pressured, we've been perplexed, we've been pursued, we've been, in verse 9, it says, cast down, which is a boxing term mean, meaning being punched. Pressured, perplexed, pursued, punched, cast down in verse 9. It's the uh, knockdown. Boxers in the ring and one of them gives, uh, delivers a commanding punch and the other falls to the mat. And Paul says, we have been knocked to the mat. Knocked down. Life knocks us down, people. And we know that, don't we? Because we've been knocked down before. Uh, we've, uh, we've had, maybe some of you, some of you way more than me, have had the stuffings knocked out of you. And that's what Paul is talking about. And then verse 16 is the fifth area in this portrait of pain. Verse 16, uh, this outward man perishes. The outward man perishes, so pressured and perplexed and pursued and punched and perishing. Now, he mentions in verse 6 two, two ways this is outward man. He's talking about the physical body, uh, how this physical body perishes, two ways. One is by the suffering that he's going through. Uh, one is by the suffering that you're going through. Now, some of us will die earlier, younger than others, because our body perishes because of the suffering or the diseases and all of the things that happen to us, uh, and sometimes because of heredity or sometimes because of an earlier lifestyle, whatever it might be, our body perishes. The other way that our body perishes is by celebrating too many birthdays, and that happens, doesn't it? I mean, the only way Mr. Phillips, my father-in-law, died was just having too many birthday parties, 98 and a half, and he went to be with his Savior. So that was great, but we're, we're, we're perishing here, and we need to remember that. No matter what age we are, we are perishing, and you see all kinds of ages in the uh, obituaries out there, but is this what Paul was focusing on? Well, it certainly sounds like it because he draws a, a great picture of what, what affects us. All of these things affect us in a great way, but that is not what Paul is focusing on. And that's why he goes into this next section. I only focused on these in the past. Now I'm seeing that Paul was focused on four things. Verse, uh, verse 10 he says, always bearing about in the body, his body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. So he is 
focusing on Jesus. This is what he sees. What you get is what you see. So what is he seeing here? He is seeing, first of all, the death of Jesus Christ. That's, uh, that encourages him. You know why? Because he says, my body is showing broken, healing bones. I've got arthritis in my body from when I was stoned. I, I, uh, I can't walk upright anymore. I'm, I'm uh, hunched over because of all the beatings that I've had. Yet, I carry about in this broken body, this body that is, is uh, perishing, I carry about the death of Jesus Christ. There's a comparison there. I'm not going through what Jesus went through. Oh, a little bit. Paul did. The rest of us, we can't say that. Not even a little bit. I carry about in my body, in this body, the death of Jesus Christ. He was uh, beaten and and, uh, ridiculed and and, uh, punched and used uh, rods and used whips and nailed up onto a cross. And uh, so he... The dying of Jesus is much worse, is what Paul is saying. So I carry about in this body, and I have, oh, you get up in the morning, oh, man, what do you see? Uh, The aches and pains, or do you say, this is nothing compared to Jesus, what he went through. So he said, uh, I, uh, what I get is what I see. I see Jesus. Uh, We had the Lord's table last Sunday evening celebrated here, and uh, as we celebrated it, the, the focus or the point of the Lord's table this last week was that uh, if we don't remember Jesus, then we're not really celebrating the Lord's table. If our focus is up upon a cracker and a little grape juice, then we have failed to celebrate the Lord's table or communion The death of Jesus Christ is why we gathered here, to remember him, uh, that they hated him, and they will hate us as well. But he didn't stop there. He said, not only is my focus on Jesus, his dying, but he goes on in, in that verse, that the life also of Jesus. So the dying of Jesus and the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. So that... uh, in comparison, we've got it good. We're, we're seeing the death of Jesus. Now we're seeing the life of Jesus, and that ought to change what we do. Because Jesus lives, we can live also. And because we can live for eternity, so can our neighbors, so can our family. It ought to change us. So uh, because we have been given life by Jesus, we can share it with others. So he, he focuses. What does he see? He sees Jesus. Verse 12, he sees others. Uh, because uh, for we, uh, verse 12, so then death worketh in us so that we can share life in you. So he's thinking about others. Uh, that's what you get. You see others, you get others. You don't see others, you don't get others. I've got a feeling that most of us think that everybody's going to heaven. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. No, I, I mean, well, maybe I act that way, huh? It's God calling. He says, wrap it up, Dave. 
Okay. He sees Jesus, he sees others, but do you, if I said, uh, is everybody going to, going to heaven? No, we know, no, we, we, we know that up here, right? When's the last time you told anybody that they needed Jesus to get to heaven? Well, I don't know. Then is it because we think everybody's going to heaven? Or we're hoping everybody's going to heaven? We're hoping we don't have to witness. You know, uh, everybody's not going to heaven. It's not going to be pleasant for those that do not. Paul says, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see others. I'm going to share my life. I will even die so that others can come to Jesus, is what he's saying in this passage. Then he also sees in verse 13, he sees God. And that might be a little complicated to see that in what that verse says, but he is quoting Psalm 116. The psalmist there, and he's calling back. Okay. I love it when that happens. He's quoting Psalm 116. He says uh, there in verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith as according as it is written in Psalm 116, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now what is he saying? Uh, he knows the, the psalmist. Psalm 116, the psalmist is saying, I am being tormented. Day and night I am tormented. Yet I believe and so I am declaring it to others. What does he believe? He believes God. In fact, that's the whole focus of Psalm 116. God, you, you can care for me. You will, you will rescue me. I will survive because of you. So he sees Jesus and others and God. And verses 14 and 15, what does he see? He sees the future. He says, sees with, with God in glory, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up up us also by Jesus because Jesus came forth from the grave that's a promise that we too will come forth from the grave that's what he's focusing on the future you know sometimes that's all we have left to focus on the older I get more and more of my focus is heavenward uh, we were with with uh, Dick and singing songs but you know his focus is really not on this world anymore. He just wants to go to glory. He's focusing on the future. And what does the future hold? It says future blessings. We're going to receive a new body. Eternal glory. It's guaranteed. He goes on and says we're going to have a future with God, a future with others. He talks about the, the Corinthian family, the family at Corinth. Hey, we're, we're going to spend eternity. Not only that, well, we're going to be blessed. Um, there, he says, uh, abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound. Um, the abundant grace, the, the blessings that we're going to receive. There's a phrase in here that I intended to circle and I did not but it, it talks about the things for our sake. 
uh, for your sake. For all things are for your sakes. These are for your benefits. That's the phrase that I wanted there. First part of verse 15 is for your benefits. Why? Because upon this earth, we are investing in eternity. There will be benefits for us, for our sake, in glory. Now, how is our investing coming? Your 401k uh, plummet again this week. Uh, Brace yourself because every move we make against China is going to plummet further. So don't count on your retirement funds. Uh, you uh, You can count on these benefits for our sake in glory. A much safer, surer rewards there. He says with thanksgiving. So the future is going to be one of thanksgiving. Even now we can be thankful. Uh, What I see here is a picture of a flash mob. I love flash mobs. I'm not talking about the mobs that are going through the cities right now. I'm talking about the things that happen in big malls. And uh, I think that's, it's fun to, you know, all these people are milling around in the mall and going in and carrying their packages. And, and one, one person stands there and begins to sing at the top of their voice. And so people around, you know, looking at them, what's going on here? And I don't want to be associated with them. And they back up a little bit. And then across the room, somebody else joins in, sings with them. And then a trio of singers in another area begin to sing. And and they sing. And then uh, the violin, some musical instruments are there. And they, they start playing away. And pretty soon, more people join in, more people join in, until the whole uh, mall is singing praises, and it just adds and go, until it's it, it blowing the roof off. That's what Paul is, is saying here. Every time we lead someone to Jesus Christ, they begin to sing praises to God, Godward. That's what it's talking about here. Uh, giving him glory and more glory and more glory and this family gets saved and then their their uh, relatives get saved and it just spreads and spreads and spreads until God's receiving glory uh, from us. You know, there are three, I believe, proper reasons why we share Jesus Christ with others. One, to see Man, avoid hell. That's why we might go and witness to a complete stranger so that they might come to know Christ and avoid hell. The second one is to see friends go to heaven. That's so that we can spend eternity with them in glory. And so we pray for our spouse and we pray for our kids so that we can spend eternity with them. But the last one is the real reason we ought to be sharing Jesus Christ with others so that they see God receive glory from their trusting him. One more person is praising God because that's what God deserves is our praise. It shouldn't be so much about us with salvation as it is about God receiving that life in you, verse 12. So conclusion, this is what Paul is saying. When we focus on Jesus, others, God, and the future, 
those are the things that Paul is focusing on, then the pressured but not distressed. See that? Perplexed but not in despair. Pursued but never forsaken by God. Punched but never knocked out or destroyed. Perishing but never on the inside because he's renewed day by day. How do our sufferings look after focusing on Jesus, others, God, and the future? Verse 17, for our light affliction. I would have never called those things light except, and Paul couldn't have either, except he focused on what was important. See, uh, what you get is what you see. And it becomes a momentary light affliction, which is but for a moment. Oh, we can stand it for a moment. You know, when, you, when you run and, and you see the finish line, you can stand it for a moment. When you live and you go through something, sometimes for years and years and years, you will go through some illness, uh, some, some uh, disability, but it's a moment in light of eternity. That's what Paul is saying here. So what you see, what you get is what you see. My challenge to you, what you're looking at, what you're looking at, you will determine what you get. Let's pray. Father, I am not certain what the focus is of these that are here. And I realize that some of them are going through horrendous things in their lives. I pray that they might see you and others and God and the future. So it will be just like a light affliction, a temporary suffering. Please, Lord. Help them to follow Paul's footsteps. Maybe there's somebody here that's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe the Holy Spirit really hasn't poked them or prodded them to the point where they say, I realize I'm a sinner. And I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. Or maybe they haven't reached that point yet, but maybe this morning is the time that they will cry out in their own hearts. And said, okay, I get it, Lord. I realize all are sinners and come short of the glory of God. And that the wage of that sin is death. But I realize also that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, help them to see Jesus. Because what they see is what they'll get. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.